Time now for the Fast Break Podcast, powered by Fast Break on Fan Nation. Now here's your host, Brett Siegel. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I am your host, Brett Siegel, NBA insider and reporter for Fast Break on Fan Nation, and welcome into the Fast Break Podcast. The NBA regular season's final day is on April 9th, yet there is still very little separation in the Western Conference. From the Phoenix Suns in the 4 seed to the Dallas Mavericks and Utah Jazz in the 11 and 12 spots, all of these teams are still in the mix to not only make the playoffs and play in tournament in the Western Conference, but potentially fall out of the playoff picture altogether. Fortunately for the Denver Nuggets, they do not have to worry about clinching their playoff spot, as they did that a while ago. The focus for Denver is now on wrapping up the one seed in the conference and turning all their focus on making a run to the NBA Finals. Does Denver have what it takes to win a championship in a loaded Western Conference? Will Nikola Jokic win his third straight MVP award? All of this and more coming up now on this episode of the Fast Break Podcast. All season long, the Denver Nuggets have sat at the top of the Western Conference standings and they are proving to everyone that they are a true championship contender. Nikola Jokic seems to be in line to receive his third straight MVP award. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are both back and healthy for this team this year and the Nuggets finally have that extra depth that they have been lacking through the years. They hit a rough patch at the beginning of March, losing five of eight games, but they have since corrected their flaws and have a lot of momentum heading into the final week or so of the regular season. We have a lot to discuss with the Denver Nuggets and joining me now on the Fast Break podcast is a guy who is locked in and covers the team as good as anyone else out there, Mr. Harrison Wynn from DNVR Sports. Harrison, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to join me today. How's everything been with you as we inch closer towards the end of the regular season? Wow, what an intro. <laughs> thanks, Brett. I appreciate you having me on. Things are going well. I can't wait for the playoffs. It's felt like this whole season, you know, people covering the Nuggets just, we've been all waiting for the playoffs to start because that's I mean, as most people know, really, what's going to define this Nuggets team? So I'm excited to get to it. Let's dive right into things and talk about the number one thing at the top of many people's list right now pertaining to the Nuggets. This team has looked dominant almost all season long, but they had a rough start to the month, as I mentioned, losing games against Chicago, San Antonio, and then that home game against the Brooklyn Nets. All these games, we thought that they should have won or they were more than capable of winning. Every team goes through tough parts of their schedule over the course of the season, but that stretch at the beginning of the month, it had me tilting my head a little bit in regards to this team. Jokic is fantastic. Jamal Murray's looking like the Jamal Murray we are used to seeing, and others like Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. have really stepped up into bigger roles this season. But are you concerned at all about the fatigue factor setting in for this team or their mentality heading into the playoffs? Uh, fatigue, no. M- mentality, not really. I think after that Bucks win a couple days ago, that really was all I needed to see. I just needed to see Denver show up against another content- contender and defend and just rise to that level. And they did in that game. The one and four stretch was definitely rough. It definitely did raise some eyebrows. I think what that really was, looking back on it, was a team that just had accomplished really what they set out to this regular season. They have the one seed pretty much locked up. They took care of home court. They won their division and they were just kind of coasting towards the finish line. I think that is most of what that one and four stretch was. Now, there were concerning things that cropped up. The defense how certain teams guarded Jokic, stuff they're going to see in the playoffs. But, you know, overall, I'm writing that stretch off just as Denver taking its foot off the gas, which is somewhat normal at this point in the regular season. But I did need to see that Bucks game, though. I did need to see Denver rise to the occasion in that game. Now, you know, I'm I'm back on 
you know, the expectations that the Nuggets should make the finals. To me, again, I, I think that this was just a rough patch that every team winds up going through. But when I look at the West and the Nuggets particularly, they're definitely deserving of being the one seed. But do you think that other teams fear them as being that team to beat? I kind of get the sense that more teams are worried about the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors and even the Los Angeles Lakers if they're at full strength in the playoffs, which could just play into Denver's hands since they thrive in that underdog role most of the time. Yeah, I think some teams definitely overlook the Nuggets. I mean, like, I'll tell you, the Clippers aren't going to overlook the Nuggets. Like, the Clippers know what the Nuggets are capable of. You know, te- the, I don't think the Warriors are going to overlook the Nuggets. The Warriors had to battle to beat the Nuggets in five games. Like, that was a closer than five-game series last mm-hmm. year. So I think there is more respect for the Nuggets throughout the West than a lot of people think. Um, now, that being said... Yeah, there are, I'm sure, a lot of players out there who look at the Nuggets and look at them not going past the second round the last couple of years and overlook the context. And, you know, that's fine. Like, that, that's fine. But um, I think they do have some respect. If you were to ask coaches, I bet coaches are terrified of playing the Nuggets because there's no way to game plan for Nikola Jokic. But no, I I think you're right that some players definitely overlook them. Based on your observations of being with and watching this team daily, what has changed this month for the Nuggets compared to others? And is this just end of season jitters or are these losses more of a storyline than a headline at this point? Maybe I'm a little crazy and please feel free to call me crazy when I'm done ranting here. But in my mind, I think that this is a storyline. As the one seed in the West, assuming they hold on to this spot, the Nuggets will have all the pressure on them, especially if they draw a team like the Mavericks or Lakers in that first round series, which by the way, neither of those teams will be going out in four or five games in a first round series if they're healthy. Am I crazy for believing that these late season losses they had at the start of March are beginning to show cracks in what has been a fabulous season for Denver and that this is more of a storyline at this point than a headline? I think you might be a little bit crazy. Look, I I think (laughs) from from the outside, I, I can definitely see how people would think it raises red flags. I mean, I'm I have a different angle just covering the team day in, day out from game one until game whatever we're at with seven games to go until the end of the regular season. I think that stretch was just them taking their foot off the gas, coasting. They've been in chill mode. But now, you know, they've won four straight after dropping four or five. They beat the Nets on the road. They beat the Bucks at home. So they've gotten a couple decent wins here. I think they'll be, you know, ready to go. But you're right in the sense that they will be facing a lot of pressure as the one seed with the back-to-back MVP. No doubt. They're going to be under a ton of pressure. I have a feeling if, you know, it's game one, they're at home and they're down in the third quarter. Like they're going to tighten up. I think, I I, th- I think they will feel the pressure because they know, you know, the eyes are going to be on them, but I do trust them to come through. This is an experienced group. You know, this isn't a young team anymore, right? This is, you know, a team with a big three. That's all been in the playoffs before. Nikola Jokic has been to the Western conference finals just a couple years ago. He's been arguably the best playoff performer in the NBA every season of the last three. So this is a, a really, really good team. This is a championship contender, but I do agree with you that they're, they are going to be facing pressure. Absolutely. Harrison, if there's one thing we know and can agree, 
agree on, it is that Nikola Jokic's play will remain constant and he will probably record a triple-double every game from here on out, maybe not doing so in one or two games down the stretch. Jokic is a literal walking triple-double and we have known this for the last few years. His impact is as great as any player in the league and what he has done the last two years resulted in him winning back-to-back MVPs. Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell. That's it. Those. That's the list of three guys that have won the MVP award three straight years. Is Nikola Jokic going to add his name to this list when all is said and done this season? Or do you think that there's still room over these next, what, five, six, maybe seven games for guys like Giannis or Embiid to make up ground on the Joker? I think it's going to be really close. I mean, it's going to be Jokic or Joel Embiid. And look, I think both guys would be deserving. Absolutely. It's been a massive storyline all year as the MVP has been the last couple of years. I think Jokic would deserve it i think Embiid would deserve it you know those both those guys are having ridiculous seasons i mean people think all of us in denver hate joel Embiid. joel Embiid's an incredible player man like i i mean he doesn't like to play in denver when those two teams play but he's a phenomenal player you know he's right up there with the top players in this league he's a beast he's an absolute force he's terrifying to play against when he does suit up, but I am biased just like we all are. I think Jokic should win the MVP again. He's averaging a triple double on 70% true shooting for the number one team in the West. They've been the number one team in the West all year. I think what it just comes down to is people are scared to vote him the MVP three times in a row. Like the fact of the matter is this is his strongest case for MVP out of the three. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I ran a media poll last month and Nikola Jokic was the overwhelming favorite. I know that you just had your media poll. It had Nikola Jokic as the favorite. And now we have Tim Bontemps from ESPN. He recently released his latest straw poll. And by two points, two voting points, not even a vote for first place, Nikola Jokic beat Joel Embiid for the first place votes. But just by two straw poll votes, Joel Embiid overtook Jokic for that number one spot. So it's just going to be a total complete race. That's really how you put it. It's going to be a sprint to the finish of who can really win this award and get those last couple of swing votes. Embiid, in my mind, has made up ground, but Jokic still has the upper hand in my opinion over and over again with anyone I have this conversation with and I believe I talked about it on the podcast a few times a few weeks back the thing about Nikola Jokic and what makes him a such a special player in my mind is not the, his rebounding and scoring efforts which are top of the line but it's his ability to run an offense at his pace Jokic's vision may just be some of the best we have ever seen in NBA history it's definitely the best from a center and his natural gift for understanding his opponents in front of him is especially unique in the sense that he sees plays before they even have Happen. He knows where his teammates are going to be without looking at them. He knows where the defense is going to jump. And from anywhere on the floor, he can hit a teammate with the ball between the letters. I mean, Jokic is such a gifted passer. And there are idiots and buffoons out there who will say, oh, he's just stat padding. But how can you possibly stat pad assists? I get the rebounding stuff and you just throw it off the backboard like Giannis tried to do a few weeks ago. And scoring, maybe you can stat pad. But how can you even say that a guy is stat padding assists? Your teammate has to physically make a shot. He has to make a layup make a dunk, etc., just for you to get credit for that assist. And it's not like that the Nuggets are telling their players to shoot every time they get a pass from Jokic. That simply doesn't happen. Well, according to Richard Jefferson, it does. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. No, nah, I mean, we all know the stat padding argument is ridiculous. Look, Nicole Jokic could care less what his individual stats are. He gets annoyed 
when he's asked about his individual numbers after a game. Like he will just totally dismiss the question because he's not interested in it. He doesn't care about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't even want to see it in the box score. Like he'll look down at a box score post game when he's at the podium and just like be surprised about what's there because he hasn't looked at it. He's just so un- unbothered by that. Like Nikola Jokic has one goal going into every game. It's to win. And he will shape his game that night depending on the defense, depending on which teammates are in rhythm, he will mold his game every single night to give the Nuggets the best chance to win. And more often than not, that includes him, you know, racking up double digit assists. So it's just about, you know, him going into every game and piecing together a game plan in his mind that's going to, you know, take the Nuggets to victory that night. That That's his process. That That's really all there is to it. It's actually way simpler than people think. I love Giannis Antetokounmpo's game. I personally think that he is the best all-around player, not just in the league when he's healthy, but in the entire world. I think Joel Embiid is the best scoring big man in this game and one of the most gifted offensive players of this generation. But to me, the most complete offensive player, which includes scoring, passing, playmaking, facilitating, offensive rebounding, etc., That player is Nikola Jokic in my mind, and every single offensive metric out there in the game of basketball is going to back this up this season. While they did not necessarily need to go out and make a move at the trade deadline given all the success that they were having midseason, the Nuggets were active at the trade deadline and in the buyout market. Things went south between Bones Highland and the relationship he had with this team, which is a shame because Highland was an electric young scorer for the Nuggets, and he was beloved by the franchise and the fan base. The team ultimately decided to part ways with him, trading Highland to the Clippers in a deal that netted them Thomas Bryant from the Lakers. Denver also gave up a second round pick and Davon Reed in that four-team deal. Bryant played well with the Los Angeles Lakers this season when Anthony Davis was out, but he has yet to find his footing in Denver, likely due to the fact that his minutes are very small, seeing as Jokic is seeing around 35-36 plus minutes a night. After moving on from Bones Highland, Nuggets also went out and got Reggie Jackson after he was dealt from the Clippers to the Hornets and subsequently bought out of his deal. Originally from Colorado Springs, Reggie Jackson is that hometown kid in quotes for this team, even though he's turning 33 in April and more of a veteran at this point in his career than a kid. What were your main takeaways from these moves the Nuggets made at the trade deadline and at midseason, especially that move to dump Bones Highland and not even net a first round pick for him? The Bones Highland trade was tough for the fan base, but I mean, he really made his own exit. You know, like he grew disgruntled with his minutes and his role. He was at odds with the coaching staff. And at the end of the day, the locker room wanted him gone. Like key players on the Nuggets did not want him here anymore because he was becoming this that big of a distraction. Like he left a couple games like oh he just walked off the bench and left the arena like before the game ended so it was it was rough and it just got to a point where it was beyond repair uh, you couldn't come back from it i just think denver look the, the nuggets only goal this season is to win a championship and if anything along the way if anyone was going to detract from that, like that wasn't going to fly. So I just think the Nuggets looked at that situation and were like, we're all pulling in this direction. Bones is pulling in this direction. We've got to, you know, cure that situation. So I think in the end, they just felt like they had to trade them for whatever they could get. It was a bad return. I mean, Bones, former first round pick who flashed a lot his rookie year, even this year. So that was tough. The the Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant additions, I thought they were solid additions at the time. They've been bust, though. I mean, Thomas Bryant's looked really, really bad. He's not in the rotation anymore. I doubt he gets in the rotation the remainder of the season or in the playoffs. Reggie Jackson, you know, I thought he'd bring some stability at backup point guard compared to Bones Highland, who had a lot of peaks and valleys. Uh, but Reggie Jackson's been really, really bad. And he got, you know, a, a two-week run 
in the rotation. They tried him just like they tried Thomas Bryant. It didn't work, and I doubt he gets back into things either. So not a not the best trade deadline for the Nuggets, but I think the optimistic view is they already had the pieces that they needed. Yeah, Jackson, it looked like that he was going to fit in well during his first couple of games. He had a good run there, but then it just started declining, and he then fell out of the rotation as of late. Have you viewed this move as a win for the Nuggets in the biomarker? Do you think that there is still room to grow here between Jackson and the chemistry that he has with this team? I mean, looking back on it, it was a a net neutral signing. signing. Like he's, I just don't think he's going to play. I I don't think he's going to be in the rotation. I don't think he's going to be in the playoff rotation. He's going to be like your ninth or 10th man. You don't usually play nine or 10 guys in the playoffs. No, he hasn't shot the ball well when he's played. He hasn't really ran the team well. He's had a couple just awful turnovers. So it wasn't a good signing. Looking back on it, you know, maybe a guy like Pat Beverly would have been the better move. But I mean, at at the time, we thought Reggie Jackson was a great pickup, no doubt. Obviously, there is still a lot of basketball yet to be played, and how things end up going this season will have an impact on what this team looks like moving forward. But let's talk a little bit about this upcoming offseason for Denver. This core of Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope are all under contract through the 23-24 season and everyone but KCP is under contract through the following year as Caldwell Pope has an opt-out option after next season. Everything is set in stone for the Nuggets financially speaking and the only moves they can really make to impact their bench and mid-level exception as Bruce Brown and Jeff Green are utilizing that MLE for the Nuggets right now. Let's start with this and then build into the big question I want your thoughts on. Do you get the same sense I do when talking with people within this organization that this roster is the Denver Nuggets plus or minus a few small changes for the foreseeable future given that the core is under contract long term yes yes i agree unless there's a flame out in the first or second round of the playoffs if that happens yeah i mean i think you have to look to make a significant change and you know maybe that is maybe looking to trade jamal murray or michael porter like this team has championship expectations so if you come up really really short of that yeah you have to look at big changes but i think the odds are like what's likely going to happen is yes this will be the starting five the core of this team for years to come and you kind of led into the big question right there let's say denver fails to ultimately win a championship this season and they do not even make it to the western conference finals calvin booth and that front office will have some big decisions to make because denver has been to the western conference finals once in the Jokic murray era we'll call it and that was in the mm-hmm. nba bubble with no home court advantage and really not a true playoff atmosphere if this team loses in the semis again or doomsday scenario, let's say they lose to a team like the Lakers or Mavericks in a first round playoff series. What's next for this team? Obviously, Murray and Jokic would not be going anywhere, we would think. But now the key questions become whether or not Aaron Gordon and or Michael Porter Jr. hit the trade block, especially Porter. Yeah, look, I think context is going to be everything. I mean, I think we'll just know. Obviously, if they lose in the first round, yeah, there there are going to be major changes. And I don't think Calvin Booth is going to be afraid to make those major changes. You know, he's he's not necessarily as loyal to these guys and committed to these guys as his predecessor Tim Connolly was. So Calvin Booth will do what is necessary. And I think Nuggets fans should really trust that, you know, he will do that. Second round, Western Conference. I I just think the context is everything. And like, we'll know. We'll know after watching a series if 
really, really big changes need to be made or if the Nuggets need to run it back and retool. Let's get back to where this team currently is. They have just a handful of games remaining in the season and they're on the verge clinching the one seed in the West. Over these final few games, what do you think the Nuggets still need to show and prove in order to enter the postseason with all the momentum that they can? Yeah, for me, I don't think they really need to show anything. I mean, it's the final seven games of the season. They've got the number one seed locked up. The interesting part is they do have two matchups with the Suns left, one match up with the Warriors. So it would be cool, you know, if they just went and played their regulars, like played a playoff type game for one of those three games. I wonder if it is April 6th in Phoenix on TNT, if that's the game. I think both teams are on regular rest for that one. You know, like I was talking about earlier, that win over Milwaukee in Denver uh, over last weekend, that just gave me a ton of confidence that this team is back and ready to go and, you know, has that defense and has as the offense and can go toe to toe and really handle another contender pretty easily. I'd like to see that one more time. You know, I'd like to see that against the Phoenix or against the Golden State. So they have a couple opportunities to do that down the stretch. Defensively, you know, that's the biggest question mark with this team in the playoffs. Can they be a championship defense? So you want to see, you know, that continue to climb as we get closer to the postseason. But you know, overall, I think I've seen enough. You know, they have, I think, the most unstoppable offense in the NBA over the course of the entire season. The defense has fluctuated, but the one constant has been they've been a great clutch time defense. They've been great defensively in close games. They've been really good in fourth quarters against some really good teams. So I think my kind of 1000 foot view is I've seen enough. In your opinion, Harrison, what is the path to a championship this season for the Nuggets? Or at the very least, what's the path to get to the NBA finals? Break down that first round semifinals and Western Conference final series matchups of who Denver needs to face to get to the NBA finals. Or does it not really matter in your mind? Well, I think the only the only team that I'm really fearful of in that play in spot is the Lakers really just because of the officials and the free throw disparity that could occur. We saw it in the bubble. I mean, Nikola Jokic really never gets in foul trouble and in especially in playoff games. And he got in foul trouble in two of those Lakers games in the bubble. I don't think that's a coincidence. You look at the free throw disparity that the Lakers have this season. I would just be worried that, you know, it'd be like game one or game two and Jokic has three fouls in the first quarter. And we're looking at each other like, wait, how'd that happen? So for that you know, that angle of the Lakers matchup scares me. And then, you know, in the second round, it looks like the Suns are going to be the four seed or they'll be the five seed. They'll probably be in that four or five matchup. That's the toughest team Denver's going to face, in my opinion, on the road to the finals. The Suns are, I think, in the top tier of the West with the Nuggets. It's Denver and Phoenix in the in that top tier. That's going to be just a beast of a series. I mean, it's going to be a great matchup if those two teams meet. I think the Suns will be favored. I would pick the Nuggets in that series. But if Denver beats Phoenix in the second round, I think they're probably through the, through to the finals. I, I completely agree with you on the Lakers take. If LeBron is healthy, Anthony Davis is healthy, D'Angelo Russell's on the floor. I mean, I really do think Los Angeles can be a threat in any series against any team in the West with their new and improved roster. Even Jared Vanderbilt's presence has also greatly impacted their chances for success lately. But if I was a Nuggets fan, I would be praying not to draw the Lakers in the first round because even if you win that series and move on to play a team like the Clippers or Suns in the second round, like you were just talking about, you're going to be fatigued and running low on gas against one of those teams. And the Clippers, Mm -hmm. assuming they get Paul George back and Kawhi's on the court, that's a good defensive team. They can wear you down for all 48 minutes. 
defense. And then the Suns, like you said, arguably the most talented offensive team in the league when Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are there. Yeah, no, absolutely. In terms of teams I'd want to see in the play-in, I mean, obviously the Thunder, the Pelicans, the Mavs are a mess right now. I think Denver would beat the Mavs in five games max. But you know, other than Phoenix and the Lakers, just because of the angle we talked about, nobody else in the West really scares me. Not even if Golden State gets Andrew Wiggins back? I mean, it seems like a big if. It is a huge <laughs> if. <laughs> it seems like the, the odds are he's just not coming back. Um, I, and I have I no mean, idea. Yeah, and he's been away for, for so long. I just don't know if Golden State has it this year. That's just my feeling. Harrison, I'll leave you with this today. When you look back to where this team was when they started the season and you look at where the Denver Nuggets are now at the end of the season, what has been some of the biggest improvements the team has made as a whole? And what is something they still need to do in order to potentially hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy into the air at the conclusion of the playoffs? The most under-talked about story of the Nuggets season is Michael Porter Jr.'s year. And you know, I just did this poll on thednvr.com where I, I I asked 15 media members in the West, one from each team, kind of who's the Nuggets X factor and who's the Nuggets player that they trust the least. This was, you know, in a course of 10 different questions. And Michael Porter Jr. was the most popular answer for both of them. And look, I think people really think Michael Porter Jr. is this great talent, but I still think people view him as a guy who kind of got taken out of the playoffs, you know, in a couple series a few years ago. You know, Michael Porter Jr. this year in Denver has improved as a defender. He's not really somebody that opposing teams target that much anymore on switches and pick and rolls. Now, I'm sure they'll look to, you know, get him in that action a ton in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's really held his own defensively when he's had that target on his back. Then offensively, this guy has fit into the Nuggets system so well. He's having just like an incredible offensive year he's bought into the offensive philosophy he's fine being like the third or fourth option every night he's had an incredible year in denver and you know this is coming off a third back surgery he's played in 58 games he's played a ton i i can't wait to see what the playoffs hold for him but other than that it's it's been kind of a business as usual year for the nuggets i feel like they've been about the team we thought they'd be offensively and defensively and they're about where i think we thought they'd be in the west you know at the top they have not clinched the one seed in the west just yet but the denver nuggets have been the best team in the conference all season long and they will enter the postseason with high championship aspirations He's Harrison Wynn, ladies and gentlemen. You can find his work with DNVR Sports as well as on Twitter at Harrison Wind. Harrison, thanks again for joining me today and best of luck covering the team the rest of the season. Safe travels, stay safe, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. That is going to do it for this episode of the Fast Break Podcast. Thanks to Harrison Wynn for breaking down all things nuggets for us on the podcast. Be sure to check out his work online at DNVR Sports as well as on Twitter at Harrison Wynn. There are some big things planned and in the works right now in terms of future episodes. So if you want to hear future exclusive interviews on the podcast with players, league executives, team-specific writers and reporters, and other special guests from around the NBA, be sure to like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever wherever else you may be hearing me talk to at this very moment in time. For the latest breaking news and rumors from around the league, you can follow me on Twitter at Brett Siegel NBA, and you can follow all the NBA content, your heart desires, online at Fast Break on Fan Nation. Have a fantastic morning, afternoon, and night, and I'll see you next time on the Fast Break Podcast. <laughs>